Sometimes I can be kind of dense and I don't notice things that are changed, have changed or are new. Um, many of you, though, are a little more aware and you probably notice that there's candles on the altar and uh, the presider's chairs are turned perpendicular to the altar. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that a priest is among a number of things, a mediator between God and man. Okay? So on at times, he speaks on behalf of God to the people, and other times he speaks on behalf of the people to God. Okay, And even in the Mass, it's a great example of this. There's times at the Mass where um, he's speaking on behalf of God to the people and people to God. Oftentimes we don't realize it, though, because the priest is always facing us normally. Um, in the rubrics, in the Missal, it actually indicates at times that Priest turning to face the altar. Priest facing the people. Why? Based on who he is addressing. And so it can be helpful if the priest actually does that kind of shift in orientation for us to know what part of this dynamic is going on. And so, for example, the prayers at the chair, the collect, the prayer after petitions, and the prayer after communion... Those are all addressed to God. And so when the priest says, Lord be with you, speaking to the people on behalf of God. But then the collect, for example, is addressed to God. And so uh, the priest turns and face and better expresses the fact that this is a prayer on behalf of the people to God the Father. The majority of the Eucharistic prayer, the prayer that is at the altar, is directed to God the Father, as well on behalf of the people. Uh, Pope Benedict, even actually uh, Cardinal Sarah, a number of years ago, who was the prefect for the Congregation of Divine Worship and the Sacraments, really was emphasized and encouraging priests and bishops to offer Mass what is called ad orientum, so the priest being on the same side of the altar, offering it to God the Father. Pope Benedict said that if that's not possible, whether because of the layout of the sanctuary or just wasn't prudent at the time, a kind of helpful thing can be to actually just have candles on the altar and the cross as kind of a mediating step. Why? Well, again, when the priest is just facing the people, we can get to be kind of a a close, self-enclosed group, community. It's only about us. And we need to realize, no, this is ultimately about God. And so even having these candles and the cross here is an interruption, if you will, between us and a focus on a common point, the cross, and therefore God. Um, I wrote about it more in the bulletin and on my email blast. Um, And if you have any other questions as well about it, please don't be afraid to reach out to me. Jesus says today, Come to me, all you who labor, and are burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden light. Hope you understand what a yoke is, what Jesus is speaking about. First of all, a literal yoke is that thing that would be put on the shoulders of an oxen or a horse, and from that would be attached a carriage or a plow. Yokes were a very important piece of equipment. Why? Well, if the yoke was too heavy or it didn't fit right the animal would bruise or there would be rashes, could be infections on the shoulders of the animal. Why would that be a problem? Well, 
if your animal has rashes or infections, it can't work for you. It's, it's worthless, the animal. And so the yoke needed to be made very well, fit well and light, so that the animal could work all day and not be hurt. Jesus worked with his father, who was a carpenter. It's very likely that Jesus actually made literal yokes for animals. And you could imagine that St. Joseph, as great a man that he was, and Jesus, the God-man, they probably made some pretty darn good yokes. Yokes that were custom-fitted to the animal. Yokes that were very light. It's even quite possible that on the outside of Joseph and Jesus' shop, there was the motto that we just heard, my yoke is easy and my burden light. Kind of Their kind of tagline, their trademark, if you will. My yoke is easy and my burden light. And we know today that Jesus isn't speaking about literal yokes. Jesus is speaking metaphorically. He's speaking about authority, lordship, kingship. And by taking on Jesus' lordship, his kingship, by becoming Jesus' servant, it is then that we find rest, we find peace. Why is that? Because we are hardwired for God. We are hardwired to follow Christ, to serve him and to love him. And so the yoke that he makes for you is custom fit. It fits you perfectly. It fits me perfectly. You see, because there's so many people, things in life that we can be a slave to, things we can worship, things we can prioritize in our life, sports, money, what others think of us, pleasure, comfort, But none of them will bring us true peace and rest. It's only by taking on the yoke of Jesus, his lordship, that we will find peace and rest. So here's the thing. If in our relationship with Jesus we aren't finding that rest, that peace in our lives, then we're doing it wrong. And we can get it wrong in two ways. We can get it wrong in two ways. The first is that we haven't fully committed, we haven't fully submitted to the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. We're trying to be both a soldier of Christ and a citizen of the world. We're trying to play both sides. We want to be Catholic, but not too Catholic. And Jesus challenges this half-heartedness, this lukewarmness, over and over again. He He says things like, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Whoever loves father or mother more than me isn't worthy of me. Yet many of us do that. We say we're Catholic, but we still want the world to love us. We're Christians, but we're still jealous and envious of people who have more than us. We complain about any inconvenience or suffering that comes our way. Many times we aren't willing to sacrifice fun or pleasure. I think a good image of that is trying to carry the yoke on like one shoulder or not get fully strapped on to us, right? That's going to be awkward if you're trying to pull a cart. 
It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt your shoulders if you only have the yoke on part ways. Yet you're trying to pull or to do whatever you're called to do. Whereas if you strap that yoke on fully, onto your shoulders as it is meant and created for you, there's a peace, there's a comfort, there's a rest because you aren't trying to live a double life trying to impress God and man. You don't fight every suffering that comes your way. Why? Because you realize that that suffering is redemptive. You aren't worried about keeping up with the Joneses because you realize your real treasure is in heaven. And you only care about what Jesus and what God thinks of you. A great expression and devotion of this is the sacred heart of Jesus and the enthronement of the image of Christ, his sacred heart, in our homes. Part of this ceremony is beautiful. The entire family getting down on their knees and praying this act of consecration, which says, Jesus, you are our king of our home. You are our Lord, and we will follow you and not the ways of the world. It's only by becoming a slave, a servant of Christ, by totally submitting to his lordship, that we find freedom and peace. The second way we can get it wrong is that we aren't actually taking time away with Jesus. We aren't actually resting with him. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but who here thinks they're praying enough? I'm not going to raise my hand because I know I'm not praying enough. Well, Father, I I just pray all the time. I'm always praying. Okay, That's, that's good. But as a priest hero of mine said, You can pray while you change a tire, but you cannot change a tire while you pray. Right? You should always be praying, but there's times that we need to just focus in on Christ and his presence with us. And this is so important. In the responsibilities, in the duties that we have, we need to hear the Lord say that I'm with you, that I love you, that you're you're doing all right, You're, you're, you're moving forward. I'm pleased with you. I'm with you. I understand all those crosses, those difficulties, those challenges that you have, Sarah, that you have, John, and I'm with you in it. We need to hear the voice of the Lord say that to us, and it only happens in prayer. So I ask you again to commit to an hour of prayer in that chapel just once a week. We need that hour, and you need to commit to it, right? Because then we'll be accountable. Then we'll get ourselves to do it, even if something kind of comes up that we can say, ah, you know, I could, I don't really need to pray, I could do this. But if you're signed up for an hour, you're going to get yourself to show up. Fifteen minutes a day in the morning, before your life gets hectic, before your kids get going, and you need, you have all these a hundred things you need to think of to spend fifteen minutes with the Lord to really be able to understand what really matters. That you're a son, a daughter of God, made for the glory of heaven. And that all that matters is being faithful to him and that he will help you with his grace throughout the day. And so again, if you're not at that peace, if you don't have that rest in your life, it's probably because you haven't seriously committed to a life of prayer. How much is peace and worth and rest worth to you? Can you spare 15 minutes a day? Can you spare an hour a week? 
My friends, many of us Catholics, we're followers of Christ, we're supposedly filled with the Holy Spirit, yet we're just as anxious and stressed out and and worried about the things of the world as everyone else is who who don't have the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that? It can be because we're doing it wrong. One, we haven't fully submitted to the Lordship of Christ, or we aren't praying enough. If you truly want that rest and peace that Christ offers, give yourself totally to Christ, take on his Lordship, and pray and rest with him.